How's your heart? No matter your circumstances, your heart can be okay. Dana Gresh explores Psalm 131 for the ingredient that's often missing when we try to pull ourselves up out of discouragement or depression, getting over ourselves. She says that though this short three-verse psalm takes only a short time to dissect, it takes a long time to learn. This message was originally delivered at Grace Prep, the Christian high school Bob Gresh founded with the support of his wife. I wonder if any of you are still waiting for 2020 to get back to normal. Stop. Stop waiting for 2020 to get back to normal. I've been pondering this thought throughout the year, and it's the fact that we tend to believe a lie that good times are the norm. We tend to believe the lie that when things aren't so good, it'll get back to normal. And we tend to believe the lie that if we follow God, he's promised us good times. But that's not what we find in the Bible. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise of God we don't really like to hold on to, isn't it? But we're certainly learning that that's true this year. I recently heard someone say that hard times, difficult times, painful times come at us as if they're in a Pez dispenser. And I think that's probably true. Either we've just had one, or there's one there ready for us to hold on to, or there's one coming up. And 2020, well, it's about to break the Pez dispenser. It's coming at us fast. And so I really want to take some time to talk about what it feels like to be discouraged, disillusioned, disappointed, depressed, anxious, fearful. Bob and I were talking just the other night about how it seems like every day one of us comes home with the name of another friend or friend of a friend or child of a friend or coworker who's struggling deeply with depression. Some people who have never struggled before and they're struggling right now. So we're gonna get right to God's word today to see what we need to do to eliminate some of that, to alleviate some of that struggle in these hard times. Turn to Psalm 131, and I wanna say this while you're finding it, and I wanna say this very clearly. The most important words you will hear today are not the words Dana says, but the words I read from the Bible. And every day, all day, forever, 24-7, the most important words you will ever hear or read come from God's word. Now, this is a little bit of a challenge for me because I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm in church, like right now, some of you are like, if only I had my cell phone, it would be a great time to see who's texting me or to check out my social media feed, right? I do that in church sometimes. I'm sorry, Jared, never when you're teaching, ever when you're teaching. But sometimes when we're about to read the scriptures, that's when I zone out. Listen, that's when we should be leaning in. The rest of the words, they don't matter nearly as much. That's when we should be leaning in. So look at me right now, lean in. We're about to read the word of God. In fact, why don't you go ahead and stand up? We're gonna give it some full attention just to get that truth firmly in our hearts. And let me give you this challenge. If you are a teacher at, the Grace, at Grace Prep at any point, the words that you teach and read from God's word, they are so much more important than the words you have to say, the thoughts you have to think about that scripture. Make sure your teachings are rich with God's word. 
Let me read to you Psalm 131, the whole chapter, all three verses. Oh, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O oh Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would seal these words in our hearts. Father, you've used them so deeply in my life this week. I pray, Father, that as I speak, that your words, these words from Psalm 131, would be awake and alive in this room and that you would help us in this very crazy, topsy-turvy year that we're living in to find the contentment that David wrote about in that psalm. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. Have a seat. All right, I want to tell you how I came to this piece of scripture this week, because um, it's a kind of unusual story. My husband and I were watching 60 Minutes on Tuesday night, and there came a news story about the use of psychedelic drugs to treat depression and anxiety. Johns Hopkins is pioneering the use of formerly misused chemicals to help people overcome untreatable depression, anxiety, and addiction. And get this, it seems to be working. Cue the controversy, right? This is very controversial, but I like to learn, I like to listen, and when I hear something from the world that's interesting and new, I wanna test it with God's word. And um, this is what really caught me that day. The research reveals that the specific drug this program was talking about works by turning off two parts of the brain that talk to each other. They happen to be the two parts of the brain that fire up when you and I are thinking about, get this, ourselves. <sighs> what? Let me say it another way. When the physicians were able to turn off the obsessive thoughts about self, these people felt peace. Does that make anybody else want to stand up at attention and say, maybe I need to learn this lesson? Well, I went straight to my Bible because that's what I do when a nugget nudges me. Would there be a scripture verse that helped me to really land on the fact that getting over myself could help me find peace that I'm lacking in my life, could help me find contentment. And that led me to Psalm 131. It's one of the shortest Psalms in the Bible. David wrote about finding deep spiritual contentment. Let me read to you again verse two. I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child and its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. The first thing that stood out to me was this. I have calmed and quieted myself. Hold it. That doesn't even sound biblical. You can't do that, right? Isn't the calming and the peace and all, isn't that supposed to be, isn't God supposed to do that? How is it that David did that myself? Well, the actions David chose cooperated with God's ability to produce peace in his life. What actions were they? Well, we're going to go back and look at the verse before it in just a moment. But when I got to this question, I thought again of in this world you will have trouble. 
This is what I do. When the Lord's speaking to me about a verse, I just kind of dig wherever he says go, I go. So I went back from Psalm 131 to John 16, 33. And it begins with this, because I didn't really know how it began. I have said these things that you may have peace. I was like, oh, I am hot on the trail of something. This is exciting. I have said these things that you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That made me think, what things? What things did Jesus say so that we could have peace because this world is full of trouble? But he's going to overcome. What things? Well, if you go back to John 15, who knows what's in John 15? If you abide in me, I will abide in you, and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Abide in him. Dwell in him. Think about him. Ponder him. Live for him. Talk about him. Get together with friends who love him. That's abiding. Is that what your life looked like this week? Did you abide in him? I don't know about you, but when I looked back at my week, I think what I abided in most faithfully was my smartphone. How dumb is that? Does anybody else want to confess? You know what the funny thing about that is? Oh, one of us. One of us is confessing. Thank you. Fall on your sword with me. I don't know about you, but it's so easy that instead of Jesus being the first thought of my day, my cell phone gets to tell me my first thought of the day whether it's a text that came in, or whether it's a social media affirmation, or whether it's bad news about what happened in the world the night before. Is Jesus the last thought of your day? Do you abide in him so that he is the last thought of your day? You know what I thought about when I asked myself this question? If it were up to me, I probably wouldn't be able to say yes to that. But because about six years ago, my husband said, the last thing I want to do every night is pray with you. He prays over me every single night. And because of his leadership, Jesus is the last thought of my day if I can stay abiding in it. But you know what I do sometimes. I sit there and I toss and I turn and I worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, is there going to be a snow day on September 4th? That could never be. (laughs) There's a lot of things to worry about and a lot of things to keep us awake at night right now. And if your last thought is not Jesus, you won't have this contentment. Here's what I learned. God wants me to have peace. God wants you to have peace. Right now, in this year, where everything seems to be falling apart, God's desire and design is for you to have peace. Not anxiety, not depression, not fear, not lack of purpose. But are you doing the work you need to do to quiet your heart. Are you abiding in him? The next thing I noticed in this verse, it says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. This weaned child is still with his mother, but no longer clamoring for milk, no longer crying out for what it can get from her, just with her. Are you like that with Jesus? Or is he your genie in a bottle? Do you come to him asking, God, help, help me with this test. God, help me find a friend. There's no end to our requests to God. When was the last time you were just with him to be with him? That's where you find the contentment. Not in the to-do list you pray to God, but in the sitting 
when you wean your soul, not clamoring for what you can get, just being content. Are you like that with God? My spirit really wanted to lean into verse two. I wanted verse two. You know what? When you want one verse, make sure you get all the verses around it, or you might be wanting something that you don't know what you want. Oh, my soapbox is getting, I love getting on a soapbox and saying, we are taking that verse out of context. Some of the Bible verses we put on Pinterest and posters and t-shirts are so taken out of context, and they don't mean what you think it means. And so I wanted to look what's before and behind it, which is really easy when you're studying a chapter with only three verses. Psalm 131.1, oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. And on the other side of our soothing verse, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So David's contentment was prefaced by a renouncing of pride, by a renouncing of self, by a lowering of himself, thinking a little less of himself and more of God. And then he found contentment. And out of that contentment rose a certainty that his hope was in God. We need that right now. Our hope is not in an election. Our hope is not in a vaccine. Our hope is not in the masks you're wearing right now. Our hope is not in passing that test, in passing this grade. Our hope is not in these things. Your hope was and is always in the Lord. You know what I think? Maybe 2020 is weaning us. Look at all the stuff that's been taken away. Look at all the stuff that we don't have anymore. I mean, he's taken away our shopping. He's taken away our retail. He's taken away our football. He's taken away our entertainment. He's taken away our ability to get together and have parties. He's taken away our ability to dress up and go to parties. He's taken away so much stuff. Maybe he's saying, I need to wean you. Stop wanting all the stuff and just start wanting me. What was David weaned of? Well, he was weaned of something we all need to be weaned of. He is being weaned of self. Self-will, self-made plans, self-seeking, self-esteem, and maybe even selfies if he had lived today. Now, lest you think that David wrote this piece about contentment with harps playing in the background and his little chariot parked in the local spa where he had just enjoyed a Swedish massage and some cool cucumber water, no. Bible scholars believe that this was written at one of two really difficult times in his life. Either it was written while King Saul was hunting him down to kill him. Now, let me bring that close to home because sometimes we're like, yeah, whatever, they had a thing. This would be like one of you being in Don Jones' discipleship group. And Don believes in you, and he cheers you on, and he coaches you, and he confronts you, and he teaches you how to love God's word, and he teaches you how to be the best of who you can be, and he teaches you how to be who God wants you to be. And then you graduate, and you move on, and you get this little text from somebody. There's one loyal person left at Grace Prep who says, yeah, Don just bought some spears and had a little meeting, and they're out on a hunt to get you. 
They're maybe not literal spears. Maybe he's going at you with social media. He just wants to cancel you, you know? How would that feel? That's what was happening to David. His mentor, the man he wanted to become, the role he would one day fulfill, wanted to kill him. They believe it was either then that he wrote this about contentment or when his wife, Michael, mocked him publicly in front of everyone. So when did that happen? Well, the Ark of the Covenant, which was where the presence of God lived throughout the time of the Old Testament, had just been recovered. It had been stolen years earlier, just been recovered, and was being brought back to Jerusalem. And as it was being brought back, David was so overjoyed, not because a piece of furniture was coming back to Jerusalem, but because the presence of God was being restored. And I think some of that understanding of humility that we read about in verse 1 of Psalm 131 is there because he strips off his clothes. What is he doing? He is taking off everything that says, I am the king, because he would have been wearing royal garments. He's taking off his royal garments, which would have put him in his boxer shorts. The Bible calls it an ephod, but David is running around this ark in his boxer shorts, rejoicing and praising God. What was he doing? He was doing what he was doing in verse 1. He was getting low and making God high. He was doing what he was doing in verse 3. He was saying, I'm not your hope. I may be the king, but I'm not your hope. This is your hope. And he was stripping himself of everything that might make the people around him believe that he could help. He was getting low. And so his wife for all of history, mocks him. What would that feel like to have your best friend, your boyfriend, your girlfriend go on social media today and say, what a loser? Would hurt. David had every reason to be depressed, every reason to be anxious, every reason to be discontent. What I see is a man who calmed and quieted his heart by cooperating with God. He made God high, and he made himself low. You know what? The way up is down. The way up out of the pit of discouragement is to get low. I mean, the Bible says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, right? And in Luke 14, it says that we're supposed to take a low place when we walk into a party. Is that what you did when you got on to the bus to go to Extreme Grace? Did you take the low place or did you find the best seat? And did you sit by the best student and the most popular student? When you came to chapel today, I know you didn't have a lot of choice of where you sat in some respects, but... What is your heart like when you and your family go out to dinner and you got to figure out who's sitting where in the booth? Are you going for the best spot? Are you waiting to see where everybody else sits? You know what Jesus was doing? He's not saying this is the most important thing about you. He's saying this is a litmus test of the condition of your heart. When you prefer others, even to the point of being concerned that they get a better seat than you, then your heart is in a place that I can use it. That really challenges me. I don't look for the low seat. So if you're struggling with anxiety or depression and you feel the weight of the world falling apart around us right now, if you're discontent, 
If you're discontent, you're like, God, this isn't what I thought this year should look like. God, this isn't what my life should look like. God, this isn't what I want my plan to look like. If you are not content in any way, shape, or form where you are right now, I'm inviting you to get over yourself. I'm inviting you to get over yourself. And I do think our selfies have to go. I want to go ahead and attack them straight on. You know, the average girl takes like 20 to 30 pictures before she approves one selfie before she filters it for 30 minutes to post it. What is that? That's an obsession with ourselves. It is. I take a selfie now and then. I'm not opposed to them. I'm not a legalist. But when it's like the whole new, it's, it's like the whole feed in your social media, you got some situations that need to be addressed, my friends. I've said it once and I'll say it again. In this self-esteem culture that wants to tell you that you are the center of the world and you need to find what will fulfill you and you have great purpose and you have great plans, no, wrong. That is not where you're gonna find contentment. You do not need self-esteem. You need God-esteem. If you understand who God is, you will understand your own value, but you won't make too much of yourself. That's what David found in Psalm 131. Now, I want to put a disclaimer here that I think is really important. I am not saying that it is not wise to go get medical help from a doctor sometimes if you're feeling really sad and you need some help or anxious. I am not saying that it is not wise to go see a Christian counselor to help you figure out how to manage your emotions and sort through some of the pain in your life. I am not saying that it's, it's, it's okay to go to a spa one day and push reset and do a little self-care. But if that is the quality of your conversation in life and the direction you're headed in, you're never going to be happy. Those things are not sufficient or enough. They are helpful tools that God has given to us, but they are not the ultimate solution to our contentment. Only God's word and God's presence is the ultimate solution to your emotional angst. And it says the way up is down on our knees, exalting God, honoring him. David got over how he felt, how he, what he wanted, who he was at odds with. Think about that. Who's aggravating you in your life right now? Aren't you tired of thinking about them all the time? He got over it. And he just got consumed with thoughts of, about how big God is. And when he did that, he found contentment. When he did that, he found contentment. And when he found contentment, he became a megaphone for the power of God in our lives. He said, this is your hope. I can say that because I felt it. I can say that because I know it. I can say that because my life is falling apart right now. It's not how I want it to be. And I'm sitting with God like a weaned child with its mother where I can just enjoy my mother. I don't need anything from her. Are you like that with God right here, right now? You know what, I, I wanna say this. I have found some of the greatest, sweetest treasures of my life and my spirit 
when the Pez dispenser was on overtime. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? When life is its worst and your dreams are falling apart and your fears are looking you down in the face, they're staring at you, the sweetness of God, that's where it becomes so real. This year, I feel like I've been living in the pages of Scripture. Pieces of the Scripture are alive to me, like this verse, in ways they never have been, at least for a really long time. One of my proudest moments this past year as we were sheltering in place and coming out of that was um, I have been part of a live video cast called Grounded, produced by Revive Our Hearts. We started doing it in March just as a way of helping women stay grounded in God's word, grounded in hope, giving them perspective when all the news was full of bad stuff. And as graduation was approaching, we kept hearing from people who had seniors that were graduating who felt gypped. They felt like it just wasn't fair. And I said, you know, that's not what I've heard from our Grace Prep seniors. I want to bring two of them on. And so we brought John and Saran on to this global little video cast. has, you know, maybe 10, 15,000 people that will see it. And I was so proud of them because when their senior trip to Italy was canceled, when senior prom was canceled, when senior projects didn't look the way that they thought they should, when senior prank day didn't happen. Hey, listen, when you do yours, remember there are rules how we do pranks around here. Senior skip day, all the stuff, lunch with Bob, all the stuff was canceled. They were content. That's not to say it was easy. That's not to say that they didn't have days where they were like, this stinks. I did, you probably did. John got on there and he said, you know what, I'm realizing with everything taken away from me, I'm still so blessed. When you take away all the extras in my life and confine me to my house, I still have a lot to be thankful for. I was so proud of him. And then Saran said, you know, this is not how I wanted the last few months of my senior year to go. But I realize I'm leaving next year. I'm never coming home. And God's giving me the sweet gift of time with my mom that I never would have had if this hadn't happened. That, my friends, is contentment. That, my friends, is two high school kids saying, I choose to be the weaned child that's content when you take away everything else. This message was presented at Grace Prep, a new model in education. If you enjoyed it and want more, visit danagresh.com for more great messages. This podcast was produced by Pure Freedom Ministries.